We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to do an overview of several topics that we've discussed here on The Rebellion over the course of the last several years. This is episode 704. We've done 704 episodes and we've covered almost everything from ontology, theology, biology, logic, and epistemology. Today, is an overview. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening to the show. Well, as I said in the introduction, today I want to do an overview. You know, one of the lessons that I've talked about repeatedly on this show is the importance of repetition. Remember the old axiom from the retired president of Earlham College, very successful president. He had been in the saddle for some two decades or more, and when he retired, he was interviewed. And he was asked a simple question, what's the secret to a a successful college presidency? And as the story goes, he just simply said, repetition, repetition, repetition. That was his answer. It was Churchillian in nature. Winston Churchill, never give up. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. Simple repetition to make the point. This college president said the same thing. You have to keep repeating your message over and over again. You have to keep beating the drum. There's nothing wrong with being a one-string banjo. There's nothing wrong with being singularly focused. In fact, John Wesley, as you know, said, you must be singular or be damned. That's a quote from John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. You must be singular or be damned. The way to heaven has singularity written all over it, said Wesley. But the way to hell has nothing singular in it. You must be singular or be damned. Singularly focused, the exclusivity of the message, the exclusivity of the Christian faith is what John Wesley was referring to. Universalism and this kumbaya, everybody's heading to the same summit, theology was a bunch of garbage, said John Wesley, and that's the Piper paraphrase, obviously. You must be singularly focused, singularly committed. You must recognize the exclusivity of the message, the gospel. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me, said Jesus. That is a singular message. So there's nothing wrong with repetition. There's nothing wrong with a clear focus. In fact, I would argue there's everything wrong to the contrary. If you don't have a message, if you don't stay on message, if there's no meaning to what you're saying, if you're being cast to and fro with every wind of popular opinion, you're double-minded, you're unstable in all of your ways, and you're damned to irrelevance. Nobody cares. So today's show, we're going to go over some of the singular messages that I've talked about over the last 700 plus episodes of The Rebellion. That's the reason for today's show. Let's take an early break, and when I get back, we'll cover, oh, the components to a worldview. We'll probably cover a little bit of logic, and we're going to cover the issue of truth. Because remember this, in times of universal deceit, truth 
is the only rebellion left. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to the Rebellion. So, today's topic is an overview. So, it's almost like we're going to class right now. I'm teaching the class, and I'm saying, class, get ready for the quiz, get ready for the test, and we're going to have an overview of everything that we've been talking about throughout the course of this semester. So, that's kind of a the, the structure. That's the context for today's show. Now, why am I doing it this way? Well, this is going to be the last episode of the daily installments for the Rebellion. I've been doing this Monday through Friday, every morning, Monday through Friday, for 704 episodes. Now, the Rebellion won't end. We are going to continue to do this, but I'm going to switch over and change the format and the delivery a bit from here on out. My reason for that is I want to have a little bit of latitude to not do it every day. So, And I also want to have a little bit of flexibility and freedom to go as long as I want. We may go over a half hour. And the reason we've been restricted to the 29 minutes or the 29 to 30 minutes that I've done this for the last year, which I don't disagree with because I think brevity is important. You don't need another one, two, or three-hour talk radio show or podcast. I don't think you need that. I don't want it. So I have enjoyed the brevity of the rebellion, and I'm grateful for Brooks Brewer and KOKL Radio for allowing this to be just a half-hour hit, a quick one. I think that's good, and I'll likely continue to stay within that general context of brevity. But the fact of the matter is, because We've been broadcasting this on KOKL for all 740 episodes, excuse me, for 704 episodes. We have to stay within that time frame for obvious reasons. It's, it's a radio station. I just can't blather on for another 30 minutes when the programming of the station has other priorities. So because we're going to stop doing this on a daily basis with KOKL, it gives me the freedom to do this once a week or three times a week or maybe four or five times a week, but I can do it whenever a topic needs to be be discussed. 
Okay, so I've got the flexibility to do this within a time frame that is more acceptable to my personal schedule. So that's one reason why we're adjusting the delivery in terms of the number of shows that we're going to do per week. Also, I can make it longer if I want to. If there's a topic that deserves a little bit more attention than 30 minutes provides, then we can go longer. So the rebellion will continue to take place. I'm going to continue to produce these shows, and I'm going to continue to post them on Spotify and SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. It'll be there. All right. And, and if you have a small business or whatnot, and you'd like to sponsor those podcast versions of The Rebellion, reach out to me and let me know. Okay. You can do so by going to my website. That's dreverettpiper.com. That's D R E V E R E T T P I P E R.com. There's a tab on the menu bar in my website where you can contact me. So I've said this many times in our housekeeping editions of The Rebellion. If you want me to speak at your event, whether that be a fundraiser or a political event or your church or whatnot, you can schedule me to do so by going to that tab on the menu bar. And if you want to contact me, you can do so there too. The instructions are clear. You can just email me and I'll get back to you quickly. All right. So I guess that's enough of the housekeeping today. You know that if you want to get access to my books, why I'm a liberal and other conservative ideas, the first one, the second one, which was the national bestseller, not a daycare, the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. And then the third one, the sequel to not a daycare, which is grow up. Life is not safe, but it's good. Those are my books. And if you want the back issues of my columns for the Washington Times, you can find those on that website too. I write uh, I've been writing once a week on the weekends for the Washington Times, but they've added another column for me, and it's titled Ask Dr. E. It's kind of a Dear Abby or an Ann Landers type column where readers are just asking questions, ask Dr. E, and then I respond and give my answer to the issues that are important to them. That, takes, that uh, particular article is published every Wednesday for the Washington Times, and like I've said, I've got an opinion piece that is published every weekend, usually on Sunday, sometimes on Saturday. All right, let's get into the topics for the day, an overview. Well, because I'm making this my last radio edition, I want to just cover some of the high points of the last 704 episodes of The Rebellion. Well, one of the highlights that I've talked about is worldview, the lesson of four. And you know I've talked about this over and over again. Every worldview, whether you're a Buddhist or a Baptist listening to me right now, whether you're an Anglican or an atheist, and whether you're a Catholic or a Charismatic, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Every one of you listening to this show right now has a worldview that answers four basic questions. And class, you know what the questions are. The questions deal with the origin of man, the nature of man, the redemption of man, and the responsibility of man. Every worldview... Muslim and Methodist, atheist, agnostic, Anabaptist, Anglican. Every worldview answers those questions. Origin of man, nature of man, redemption of man, and responsibility of man. Every worldview answers the question, where did you come from? Are you the product of the soup? Or are you created uniquely and intentionally by a sovereign, intelligent God? Very different answers lead to very different solutions down the road because the answer to the question as to where you come from do you come from the soup or do you come from god's intentional design that answer will lead you to the next question and its answers and that is 
First one, origin of man. The second one, nature of man. If you come up out of the soup, there's no such thing as original sin. In fact, you could argue there is no such thing as sin at all because you don't believe in amoeba sins. You don't believe a virus sins. You don't believe that monkeys sin. You don't believe that cows and horses sin. You don't believe that. And if you believe that you're nothing but a more evolved form of all of those things that I just described, if you're nothing but a higher evolutionary form of of an amoeba or even a virus, then you have no moral culpability. Morality is just made up. It's a social construct. It's not an objective fact. There are no truths with a capital T. There are only lowercase truths that are good for your evolutionary development, good for where you are as a human being and as a culture at this given time. But those things could change tomorrow. And we're seeing that particular worldview play itself out in our culture right now in spades. Origin of man, where do you come from? Nature of man. Is there such thing as sin? Then the next question is the redemption of man. Well, how do you solve the problem? If some things are going wrong, then you're going to solve the problem differently depending on how you answered the first two questions. And we're seeing that also. Things are going wrong. Even the left, the radical left, the anarchists, BLM, critical race theorists, Marxists, believe that something has gone wrong. They believe in the conflict, the struggle. They believe in microaggressions. They believe in trigger warnings. They believe in intersectionality. They believe the problem needs to be corrected. The problem is the wrong people have power. That's what they believe. The solution is the solution is to redistribute that power. That's why you see the, the conflict being celebrated, quite frankly, by BLM and all of the leftist critical theorists. They celebrate the conflict because it allows them to be sucked in as the solution to the, to the power grab. So origin of man, nature of man, and then redemption of man. What are you going to do about it? How do you solve the problem if there is one? Is it Marxism? Is it uh, collectivism? Is it socialism, communism? Or is it capitalism, free enterprise, constitutional liberty, and individual freedom? Very different worldviews, right? And then finally, at the end of the day, um, origin of man, nature of man, redemption of man, responsibility of man. Okay, the redemption, what do you do? How do you need to solve it? How do you redeem humanity? And then ultimately, once you've answered that question, I've already said this. How are you going to correct it? What is your action, your strategic plan? What will that be? So every worldview answers these four basic questions. Over the last several episodes, the 700 or so that we've done, I have frequently talked about that lesson of four. Origin of man, nature of man, redemption of man, responsibility of man. I've also talked about the quadrilateral and how that's very important. And that is a lens through which you look at all of these questions of life. The quadrilateral, history, which is also known as tradition, reason, experience, and revelation. History, i.e. tradition. The lessons of time, time time-tested truths. Grandma and grandpa actually knew something. Those people that have preceded you need to be respected and attended to. And this is why the Bible actually tells us to respect our elders, because they've been around the block a couple times more than we have, and they might have some wisdom to offer. You shouldn't think that just because you're younger, you're smarter. In fact, it's the opposite. Youth needs to humble itself toward the ages, not just the ages 
that exists before you right now, your mom and dad, your grandma and grandpa, those people that are a decade or two or three older than you, youth needs to understand that you respect the lessons of history, the ages of the past. You need to respect C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton. You need to respect Thomas Aquinas and Augustine. You need to respect the Apostle Paul and James and Jude and Peter. You need to respect Moses. These lessons of history are important for us to attend to and respect and humble ourselves before. Okay, So the worldview of the quadrilateral elevates, elevates the past as a, an important thing for us to learn from and not just discard as if we, we're so much smarter today than they were back then. As C.S. Lewis called it, chronological snobbery, thinking that your new ideas are the best ideas just because they're new. No other reason than they're new and discarding everything that's older than ideas that you came up with five minutes ago. So the quadrilateral elevates history, elevates tradition. doesn't say it's perfect, but it says you should attend to it. And then the next part of the quadrilateral is reason. You have a brain, use it. Men are not women. Logically, ontologically, epistemologically, biologically, factually, women are women and men are men. There's a difference. We shouldn't even be debating this, but we live in a time and a place where we're discarding the obvious. We're not using our rational capacities. We're being more emotional than we are reasonable, and that is a recipe for disaster. We're seeing it play out right now in our streets. So respect history and tradition, and then use your brain. Reason is very important. Your rational capacities are there to help trump your emotional swings. All right. And then the third component of the quadrilateral is what? Experience. And as you know, I've said that's the Dr. Phil question. How's it working for you? What does your experience tell you? If we start diminishing the biological reality of the woman, for example, how's it working for women? Well, they're losing their bathrooms. They're losing their showers. They're losing their sports. They're losing their scholarships. They're losing everything that Title IX, for example, guarantees them. They're losing everything that they've gained in the march for civil rights. Feminism is dead if there is no female. So how's it working for you? The Dr. Phil question, experience. I've said a thousand times over, conservatives could cure every sexually transmitted disease if people would just listen to us. How do we do that? Stop having unbiblical sex and you won't get sick. How does, how's it working for you to violate the sexual principles of the Bible? Well, this is how it's working for you. Um, you're getting diseases that you wouldn't get otherwise. <laughs> marital, marital fidelity is the cure to all that ails us. If you just comply with what the Bible says in terms of sexual behavior, you will get, quote-unquote, none of these diseases. That was promised in the book of Exodus to the Israelites as they... As they fled Egypt, if you will do what I tell you, said God, if you'll eat the way I tell you to eat, if you'll behave the way I tell you to behave, you will get none of these diseases, the diseases of the Egyptians. There's a, that's experience. It's just common sense, and you don't have to be a Christian to understand what I'm saying. Just look at the data. So, again, history, tradition otherwise, a reason, you've got a brain, use it, and then experience. How is it working for you? And then finally, as you know, the fourth component of the quad, the quadrilateral, is scripture, revelation. You always have to have a trump card. And when there's a debate between two claims that both 
both claim to be true. Let's take global warming and climate change, for example. You have to have a trump card. And the trump card is fact. The trump card is the obvious reality before your very eyes. The trump card is one side may be fudging its data and the other isn't. So you have to have a referee on the sideline blowing the whistle on the debate over global warming and climate change. You have to have a trump card on everything. What's your trump card to prove that the person who's arguing that uh, consensual sex between a 10-year-old and a 25-year-old is okay? Is it just your personal experience? No. I mean, your experience tells you that that isn't going to work very well for the, for the kid. He's being used and abused. The child, the girl, is being trafficked for the sake of adult satisfaction. Uh, this is wrong. You, you know that rape is wrong. You know that pedophilia is wrong. What's your trump card, for example, on interspecies sex? There are some people arguing right now that there's nothing wrong with that, that it's okay, you're not hurting anybody. Um, what, is your, what is your argument grounded in when you say, no, that's a bridge too far, you can't do that? Well, you have to have something more permanent, enduring, immutable, and true with a capital T than just social construct, political agendas, personal opinions. Uh, and that trump card on many moral discussions is Revelation. The Bible, uh, the law of Moses, Moses is God, the New Testament teachings, the Beatitudes, the incarnation of Christ, the Word made flesh and dwelling among us, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of everything. If you don't have a trump card on the debate, then it's, it's a free-for-all. It's nothing but a power struggle, and the guy with the most power will win. So this is the importance of the trump card of truth, biblical truth, revelational truth. Now, in the constitutional language, it's the, it's the laws of nature and nature's God. Constitutional, uh, seminal documents, declaration of independence language. The assumptions of our free republic are that there is a trump card, and that is the law of nature and nature's God. That, that law of nature and nature's God is defined for us by the Bible, by revelation. That's why I've argued over and over again that indeed we are a Christian nation in the sense that we are founded in the, the Christian presuppositions of revelational truth, that there has to be a trump card, otherwise you will not be free. All right, another lesson of four that we've talked about over the years is the four fence posts of freedom. I've argued the paradox of if there are no fences, there will be no freedom. The paradox of liberty and law. G.K. Chesterton repeatedly told us that if you get rid of the big laws of God, you don't get liberty. You get thousands and thousands of little laws that rush in to fill the vacuum. And ironically enough, God gave us very few laws. He gave us 10, but yet we refuse to live within the boundaries of those 10. So what do we get? We get confined more and more by another law, another law, another law, another law. Thousands and thousands of little laws from Washington, D.C., that despots, uh, people that are power hungry, little gullums that are grasping their ring of power. These people want to impose these laws upon us to the point where they're telling us how to use the bathroom and what pronouns to use. And th this is absurd. They're, this is not a free country if we're actually confined by all of these laws, these laws that make no sense and would be completely unnecessary if we would just live within the confines of the 10 simple laws that were given to us in the first place. And as I've said time and time again, Jesus actually narrowed those two down 
excuse me, those 10 down and summarize them as two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And in doing this, you have fulfilled the law. Okay, so the simplicity of the Christian faith actually gives you much more freedom than you would have had otherwise. Well, there might be somebody listening to me right now that hasn't heard the, the rebellion before. This may be your first time, and you'd say, well, no, Christianity has restrictions. It has rules. Yes, Yes, it does. Without restrictions and without rules, you will have no freedom. That's the paradox of liberty and law. The example I've used here is your dog. If your dog understands the rules, if the dog obeys you, if your Labrador retriever understands that you're the master and attends to your voice and heeds your call and obeys you, you can give your Labrador more freedom than she would ever enjoy otherwise. You can let her run free in the field, in the park. You can let her play. You can let her enjoy life because you're not worried about her running out into the road and getting killed because when she gets too close to the edges, you can yell stop and she obeys. She comes back. And so what do you do with your dog at that point? You let her go. You don't have to keep her on a leash. You don't have to cage her in a pen all the time. You don't have to put her on a chain in the backyard because you've loved your dog enough to discipline her and to teach her where the boundaries of life are. And at that point, and that point only, can you release her to enjoy the freedom of everything that you've given her. The same is true with our relationship with God. If we obey his voice, he's the master, we are not. If we understand that his discipline was for our good, the paradox of liberty and law comes into play. We recognize that the fences are there to give us freedom. We can run the field with abandon. We don't have to worry about getting hurt or offending our master. The boundaries are clear. The fences are there for our good. We recognize that trying to climb over the fence or dig under it is just foolish and stupid because we will gain no more freedom as the result. All we will do is get dirty trying to dig under or get hurt falling over the fence in the process. And then when we do get on the other side, there's nothing but danger and death and disease. That is the truth of our relationship with God. That's the truth of the paradox of liberty and law and fences and freedom. Now, why do I say that's a lesson of four? Because there are four fence posts in every field. If you have a field that's rectangular in shape, you know that you put four corner posts in. They're strong, they're enduring, they're immovable. You put them there for a reason because you string the fence in between those four corners. Now, if you only had one corner, all you could do with that is put a chain on it and chain your cow, your horse, your dog to that one corner post. Your your, your pet, Your cow, your dog, your horse has no freedom other than what the chain gives it. There is no freedom other than the circumference of that circle that is bound by the chain. If you have two posts, you can string a fence in between the two. There's an illusion of freedom now. You think that you are being protected or that the animal is protected from going out into the road, into the highway. But even dumb animals, horses, cows, figure out that they're there's an end at, at the fence. Uh, each, each corner post is the end of it, and they can wander around that one string of fence that's out there, and they'll leave the property, and they'll get hurt. They'll get killed. So there's an illusion of freedom when you have just two posts and a fence strung between it, but it doesn't do any good, really. It's an illusion. It's not reality. But you can have three posts, and you can string a fence in between the three corners, and yes, you can put your animal in that field. But the geometric reality here is that this is a triangle, not a rectangle. And what do we, what do we know to be true about triangles? 
they are half the space of the rectangle. A triangle is essentially cutting a rectangle or a square in half. So the field is now only 50% of what it could be. Your animal is only enjoying 50% of the freedom that it would enjoy otherwise. So three works, but it decreases and diminishes your freedom. And if you add the fourth corner, the fourth corner post, that's when your animal, your cow, your horse, can roam the property with abandon. That's the ultimate freedom. Well, what are the four corner posts? You know where I'm going with this, and this is the last thing I'll say to you on this particular edition of The Rebellion. This last installment of the KOKL Monday through Friday broadcast of The Rebellion. The last thing I want to say to you is the four corner posts, the four fence posts, are clear. And they are. Number one, the primacy of Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. Number two, the priority of Scripture. The Bible is the Word of God. Number three, the pursuit of truth. Truth is a revelation of God. It's not just a construct. It's not your opinion. Your opinion doesn't matter. Truth does. Truth with a capital T. I don't care about your lowercase opinions, your lowercase T's, your truths. And then finally, finally, the primacy of Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth, the fourth corner post, the one that really gives you the maximum freedom, the one that really releases you when you add it to the other three, is the practice of wisdom. Practice what you preach. Be a man and woman of integrity. Integrate head and heart, fact and faith, and belief and behavior. These are the lessons in four, and this is what I've been trying to teach for 700 plus episodes here on The Rebellion. Stay tuned. We will continue to do this. Go to Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts for future episodes. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.